What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Let's get ready to rumble! Zinger Nation, what is up, Zinger Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Power Hour. Um, if I look a little different today, it's because I'm joining from home, not in the usual Benzinga studio. Um, so a bit of a whirlwind day for me so far, but we have a packed show as always. Got Frank Curzio here of Wall Street Unplugged. I'm going to go ahead and get ready to bring him on here in a minute. I've just got the spy pulled up um, down about 0.05% right now. So pretty flat day overall. Uh, we saw it get up a little bit uh, around the five, 5.52 and a half mark. And then it's come back down to around, um, or sorry, 4.52 and a half. And now it's back down to 4.50. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty quiet day on the spy front. Let's check in on QQQ. You know, same thing, pretty flat there. Dow is flat as well. So super flat day so far, but we'll see if we get some volume this afternoon. Um, all right. Well, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring Frank on. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Frank, how are we doing today? Good. How's it going, man? Good, good. What have you been trading? A few things, right? We've seen it. It's amazing how the markets go from you know everyone being extremely nervous and very, very quickly. Every time that's happened, pretty much over the past seven years, you know, the bulls come back in, and that's because we have super low interest rates going to stay here forever, so favorable market conditions. I mean, there's nowhere else to really put your money in bonds and earning negative real returns. So you know, every pullback is just continues to be a buying opportunity because we know the Fed's going to be there to help everybody out. So it's just... Yeah, just seeing all the bears come out yesterday and now things are okay all of a sudden is, is kind of funny. But one of the, the big news stories is Coinbase. Uh, and Coinbase, you know, the SEC is kind of going after them. And I thought that story was interesting as someone. We have our uh, Curzio Equity Owners token where, you know, we're the first, we're the first secure tokens in, in the world to, to go public, you know, through our company and raise money and publicly traded. And very familiar with this industry and crypto for, for a very long time. And to see what the SEC is doing and Coinbase actually give them all the information, give them everything. You know, the, the crypto market is tough. You need a little bit of regulation here from the SEC where people know their money is safe, right? You need insurance on the accounts, uh, you know, just you know, minor things. I know some diehard cryptos want zero DeFi, everything, you know, just no, no regulation at all. But here's Coinbase, pretty much the largest in the space, working with the SEC. I know other companies, too, work with the SEC because the SEC hasn't put out a set of laws of how to govern this and compliance. Everything's kind of like in a gray area. And then the SEC turns around and, and goes after them. And not only they go after them, they're going after them for a product that they didn't launch yet, which is their Lend product, which is interesting because a lot of companies earn that interest off of, you know, by buying tokens and lend that out. So that, that's a massive industry, $50 billion industry, and they're just going after Coinbase. So, not only that, I've been doing this for a long time, close to 30 years. I've never seen the SEC go after somebody before they launch a product. Usually they wait a while. This way there's damages and they could get a ton of money off of that, right? And fine. So I don't know if it's politically motivated, but what I do know is because this happened and you see Coinbase doing the right thing, I would be a huge, huge buyer of Bitcoin and Ethereum right here. I think both 
I mean, Ethereum is not too far off its highs. I think Bitcoin goes to a new high uh, by the end of this year, which is what, 66,000, it's 47 today. This strengthens the case of why people love Bitcoin because they hate the government. They hate central governments. They don't like Wall Street. And, and you know, here's a clear example of a company trying to do it right. And yet, you know, you're still getting having the SEC coming after you, right? It's front page news. And, you know, Coinbase took a little bit of a hit yesterday. It's not too bad. But I, I think this is a big moment where you're going to see a ton of money pour in. We saw Ukraine just a, a, approve Bitcoin uh, as a currency. We saw it with, uh, you know, other areas in Afghanistan, and, and you're going to continue to see that. And, and the people want it. They're spoken loud and clear. And I think we're probably in the first or second inning in terms of how big Bitcoin's going to be. I mean, it's a $2 trillion industry, which is insane when you think about it, because that's larger than the GDP of every country except eight, right? And the SEC still doesn't have regulation. I don't know what you could do. And once they do that, you're going to see money absolutely pour from institutions. But Institutions are still investing in venture capital still coming in, but this is a statement, I think. I think you're going to see more people hold this thing forever, more money come in. You're actually seeing it today. It's up today. I think it's going to skyrocket from here over the next three, four months. I think it's the easiest trade you could have in the market. Yeah, I mean, Frank, I think it's just so interesting because as you mentioned, it, it we're, we're only in the first or second inning. So I mm -hmm. think maybe why we saw the SEC kind of preemptively try to start regulating before the product is because – the SEC doesn't even know necessarily like the best way to go about regulating um, the crypto market. And of course, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Joe Rogan in the chat saying he's in coin, but he's worried he should be in the mining stocks instead. And that's what's so fascinating to me about this, uh, the, the crypto market in general, is you obviously can go out and buy Bitcoin, you can buy Ethereum, but you have a mm -hmm. lot of other ways you can play it as well by buying the mining stocks or buying Coinbase, um, mm -hmm. the Voyager Digital. So very interesting, um, you know, just opportunity here to get into some of these securities at a very early level. You have Riot, Silvergate. Silvergate's probably the best play, one of the best plays. That stock uh, we've had. We've had a lot of those names in our portfolio for a while that we're up, a, you know, a ton on. And I think we recommended like 12 or 13, Voyager Digital under a dollar. Uh, you know, just knowing that these guys have gone all in and they got they went all in with the hopes that the SEC is, is going to relax a lot of their rules. And, and they have a little bit, but you really... I mean, they haven't deemed what a security is and what a security isn't. And I could tell you 90% of this industry and someone, again, who has our token, we're a security token. So we're security. We have to provide financials. We have to, you know, you see a financials, you see everything, right? Just like a publicly traded company. 99% uh, of cryptos don't have that, yet they're pretty much securities, right? I mean, you're making it based on the vague, really vague definition of the Supreme Court. You know, these are securities. And if the SC comes out and says they're securities, I mean – you're looking for almost all of these to no longer trade in the U.S. because they're not going to provide the financials. Absolutely not. Uh, you They have to provide the insider ownership. A lot of these guys generate, not generated, but they raised tens of millions in capital, driving around Lamborghinis and buying three new houses. You know, you have to be accountable for where that capital is going. But there's no regulation. There's nothing going on in that industry. And that's going to lead to a massive boom, which we're really starting to see in security tokens. But yeah, we need something. We need a little bit uh, of regulation here just so more capital could come in and, uh, you know, it is frustrating. I mean, yes, you're looking at the SEC going at the Coinbase, okay? But Coinbase was providing information to them saying, here, this is what we want to launch. How do we do it? Working with them. And then the SEC just comes around and, and goes after them, which, which is a shame, right? Because we want more regulation. Why isn't there an ETF approved in this industry? Is that, that's, that's, excuse my language, fucking joke. 
we, ha- we you could trade a bunch of cryptos. Why can't you put a bunch of them together and trade an ETF? It doesn't make sense why that doesn't work. So there's a lot of politics going on here. This is something that disrupts the world, disrupts investment banking. That's the key to everything. They're the ones that have the biggest lawyers. They're the ones that have the biggest ties. They're the ones that don't want this. And now it looks like they can't stop it at a $2 trillion market getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So come out with the regulation. This way the investment banks can participate because right now I think – you're looking 10 years from now, it's going to be a much different world. If you look at investment banking in general, I have a lot of friends that work in that industry. Again, I've been doing this for a long time. That's one industry that hasn't really been disrupted by the internet or anything, right? A little bit. Yes, you have algorithms, stuff like that. But still, it's the internet disrupted every industry by getting rid of the middleman, right? And shrinking that, right? So if you look at investment banks, what are they? Middlemen, right? Hey, we have a whole bunch of people. You're looking to raise money. Okay, we'll take the fee. They do a lot more than that. I, I know, again, I have a lot of friends who are great analysts, but yeah, it's an industry that's huge, has huge political ties, and is being disrupted. And right now, they can't do anything to stop it. So they have to find a way to join it, I think. And, and just a lot of politics going on in this industry, but it's going to strengthen the case for you to own Bitcoin, Ethereum. And there's amazing technologies and a lot of great ones that we have in our crypto intelligence newsletter. You can find that on uh, CurzioResearch.com site. Beautiful. Yeah, we got the link in the chat for... Um you know, Wall Street Unplugged. So go check out Frank's podcast if you haven't already. Um, Frank, anything else you got your eyes on outside of the crypto markets? Uh, really quick. Uh, first of all, I think we all know COVID's going to be here forever. Uh, the current vaccine uh, was supposed to prevent us from getting COVID. We know that that doesn't happen, right? A lot of people who've gotten the vaccine have gotten Delta, which means we're going to see booster shots forever. Uh, it's going to be similar to what we see with the flu. And what does that mean? It means buy Moderna, Pfizer, BioNTech. I know you're looking at these names. I felt like you missed them. But looking at the analysts and the sell-side analysts, I mean, I thought they were crazy with the models that they had a year ago of how much revenue they would generate. And it turns out they were conservative, right? So I didn't have Moderna like at 100. I, I thought it was overvalued. Now it's four and change. But they're not modeling for the massive booster shots that are going to come out once, twice a year, right? So Pfizer's first. You have Dr. Gottlieb, who's on that board, who I respect and I like him, but I just think it's a little bit of conflict of interest since he's a former FDA commissioner on the Pfizer board and you had Pfizer get it, their vaccine FDA approved first. And I bet you a 99.99% that they're going to come out with the first booster as well. When they do, these numbers are not being uh, modeled right now. And they are going to be modeled because nobody really expected booster shots that you're going to need them pretty much until the past month or so, especially with Delta. And that's going to result in these guys dramatically raising their estimates, which are infected into these stocks. And you're seeing it now. That's why you're seeing them all move. So these guys are going to have a constant revenue stream, massive revenue stream. Pfizer's pipeline is good all around. Uh, BioNTech is, is more of a pure play here as well as Moderna. But Moderna's technology is absolutely amazing and go in so many different applications. That's a way to play it. A small cap player that I like in this industry, one I've given to you before, a lot cheaper. It's called MyMD. The symbol is MYMD. This is a clinical stage biotech uh, I am an investor in this company. I'm going to be a long-term investor in this company. I love this name because if you look at the recent news that they've come out with and and, and just their pipeline, I mean, it's a great autoimmune platform. It reduces inflammation. But What, what, you, what was the ticker there again, Frank? MYMD. MYMD. Yeah, we've been seeing this one a lot in the chat recently. Yeah, so this, uh, this one's really starting to break out here because of the news that came out with the last two months. And early stage clinical studies, if you want to – uh, a high flyer, here it is, because this is something that can go up 5x, 10x. However, it could also go down 30, 40%. Uh, you know, so risk reward, I like it because I think the reward is well worth the risk that you're going to take it. But just know it's a risky stock. 
great management team. But the news I've come out on this company and clinical trials and, and just their platform, the uh, immune platform inflammation and how it's reducing it in, in the early stages, there's a big buzz around it. Uh, that I really like. Uh, and I think you're going to see this company, they just got uh, put into the Russell Microcap Index, right? So that's where it starts. It's, it's you know, it was a name nobody heard about. Then you get the micro, you get into the Russell 2000, and then who knows, you go to the NASDAQ. But yeah, this company is getting bigger and bigger. I love the news. I love management. They're all in. Uh, and, and this is a good name you should definitely keep on your radar. Again, I recommend this, uh, I think, uh, three or four, eh, probably about five weeks ago. Uh, and it's a lot higher now, but I still really like it at this price. I mean, the news that's come out in terms of the early stage trials and stuff, uh, I think they're going to have a lot more good news going forward. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, again, this is one that we've been seeing flying in the chat. So I've had my eye on uh, MYMD, definitely adding it to the watch list. The chart looks really good right here, Frank. Yes. I mean, we know charts could break down very, very quickly. The chart does look good right now in, the, in this name, but it is breaking up because it's I like to see stocks break out on news, right? When they're just breaking out, maybe you have someone, you know, just whatever, you know, Kathy Wood adds to the position or whatever, and you could see that trend break down. But when they're going higher on good news, uh, that's a great sign. And that's what you want to see. So this company has been putting very, very good news over the past two months, and it's starting to be reflected in their stock. It's going higher and higher. So uh, I think you're going to see even more good news going forward. Beautiful. All right, Frank. Well, appreciate you coming on the Power Hour today. We'll see you again next Thursday. Well, now we have something a little different than what we normally do. We're going to talk about some alternative investing. So you may have you may have heard about you know some different websites like Collectible, Rally Road, where you can go to kind of buy shares of different goods. Um, and today we have someone really interesting. We're going to bring on from a company called VinoVest that allows you to invest in wine. Um, so if Anthony's ready, I'm going to go ahead and bring him on, and uh, we're going to talk about some wine investing. Anthony, how's it going? Doing great. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Let me go ahead and get VinoVest's website pulled up. Um, for, for, the, for our audience that may not know or have heard of VinoVest before, can you just give us a quick rundown on, on what the company is? VinoVest is a robo-advisor platform that allows anybody to be able to invest in wine easily. So we handle everything from procurement, storage of the wine, and also active management on letting you be able to track the price of your bottles of wine while they appreciate. Got it. So, you know, in this world of alternative investing, we're seeing a lot of different, you know, opportunities for investors to go to. As I mentioned, there are different websites you can go to, you know, buy shares of um, sports cards, you know, different memorabilia. Why, why do you think wine is a, you know, better investment than some of those other alternative investment opportunities? I think wine occupies a unique space in that even though it is an alternative that is gaining a lot of steam, it's not new. People have been collecting wine, investing in wine for decades, even centuries. The key differentiator here is that it just hasn't been really easy to manage, right? There's, um, risk of storage of the wine spoiling going bad and um, things like that. And traditionally only ultra wealthy folks have had the chance to access this asset class. Um, so I think what really makes wine different or better than the other alternative options is that it's very stable. It's not like crypto or NFTs or, or sports cards where you can see huge fluctuations in price. Um, it actually has about a third of the average volatility of the stock market and that's looking back at data over the past two decades. Got it. And then Anthony, how did you, you know, originally get into, into wine investing? I was looking to diversify myself a few years ago. 
Um, and I remember just coming across an article, maybe in the Wall Street Journal or Bloomberg, talking about how all of these exotic asset classes that the ultra wealthy are investing in have beaten out the market. So you know, they listed out um, a bunch of collectibles, they listed out fine art, jewelry, and then wine. And wine just really piqued my interest more than the others and really made me want to dive in. And when I realized that um, for just kind of an average retail investor, it was very difficult to do so. You know, auction houses were taking 15, 20% cuts. I had trouble actually even getting access to those ultra rare and expensive wines. I realized that there was a pretty big opportunity for people like me to be able to uh, get an easier way to on-ramp into this asset class. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like a fascinating story behind VinoVest that it's something that you personally wanted to be investing in kind of identified the holes and, Hey, look, this is harder for me as a retail investor to invest in some of these asset classes than it should be. Um, so you went out and developed uh, this platform on your own, correct? Yeah. I had a co-founder Brent. So we had worked together at a cryptocurrency portfolio management company uh, for a few years. And uh, that's really how we got interested in alternatives first. And we thought that why not balance out our really risky crypto with something a lot safer like wine. And um, yeah, so I, we see the team here, um, you know, we got you, Brent. So it looks like y'all got, you, you know, you have a strong team. How, are you actively hiring right now or like recruiting more people for the team or how, how's the growth been for VinoVest so far? Yeah. So we were, um, we were six people at the start of the year and now we're almost at 30. So oh, wow. <laughs> I think like a lot of alternative asset companies, we've seen a huge tailwind of interest, uh, especially on the retail side and now more and more so on the institutional side. So I think given the current climate, a lot of people are turning to hard assets as a hedge against inflation. People are then also looking to take some of their profits off the table from huge gains in crypto or huge gains from equities. And they want to put it into something that is uncorrelated like wine. Yes, you can see on this chart right here that's on the website, as you mentioned, that the, you know, wine has actually outpaced the S&P 500 as far as returns go. Um, is this something that you think, you know, more retail investors should be paying attention to that some of these alternative asset classes are actually outperforming the market? I do. And I think especially when you look at it from a risk adjusted return basis, it makes wine even more attractive because if you're just looking at it on a pure returns basis, yes, it is beating out the S&P 500, even including dividends. Um, but I think what's even more interesting is that you're doing it with way less risk and volatility. So I think for folks who are dabbling in maybe riskier assets, uh, it's important to diversify and have something that can help you also preserve wealth as well as gain. So I think that's really why um, wine investing should be considered a part of anybody's portfolio, regardless of if you like wine or even drink. Like, look at it as an asset, look at the fundamentals, and it's pretty attractive. Got it. And then, I, I, you know, moving off wine for, for one second, you mentioned that you were, you know, with a, a crypto asset management company. What, what was your role there? So at Blockfolio, I was the head of marketing. Uh, my co-founder, Brent, was the head of design. So we collaborated a lot um, and um, had that sort of appreciation and understanding for the world of alternatives. Wow. And was that something you got into like right out of college? I mean, you seem like a, you know, like a young guy, you know, so it's impressive that you have all this experience under your belt already. Yeah. I mean, I, I started my first business right out of freshman year. 
end up dropping out, took the Teal Fellowship and really just had my education be my first company. Um, so after I sold it back in 2016, that was when I really got into crypto. Uh, I was part of this program called the Teal Fellowship where um, Peter Teal essentially pays you 100K to drop out of school and work on your business. And one of the Teal Fellows is Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum. So after a conversation with him, I was like, holy crap, I have no idea what this Ethereum thing is, but he is way smarter than me and I want to be <laughs> into it. And that's really how I got in. And, you know, like a lot of people during that time just became fully, fully addicted and went down the rabbit hole. So, you know, you know, uh, Vitalik personally? Um, I've had one conversation with him, so I would not say I know him personally. But in that one conversation, you were like, all right, this guy knows what he's talking about. Oh, yeah, it was it was enough to at least convince me to dip my toe in. And now, now here I am. That's something I think everyone can learn something from. You know, if, when, when you can recognize that someone, you know, is super intelligent, maybe even smarter than yourself, like hmm, maybe it'd be worth it to, to listen to this guy or, or at least pay attention to what he's doing. I think that's really what's stopping a lot of investors from dipping their toes into something new, right? They want to be able to maybe fully understand it before they get into it. I think that's a common objection that we hear about. You know, we heard in the crypto space, you're like, I don't get it, or like NFTs, right? Or, or wine even. And I think uh, my advice would be to like, just try it out, right? You're a lot more incentivized to learn once you're already in the market. And if you try it with a small enough amount where you feel comfortable with, um, that's the best education is just by doing it and being in the community and being in the space. Well, yeah, and I think too, like what you mentioned as far as as leaving school to get more experience and learning through your business. I mean, we're, we're always going to be able to learn more by doing rather than, you mm -hmm. know, just reading about something or, or talking to someone, you know, by actually doing something, you, you're you going to learn more. Yeah, totally agree. Um, all right, well, I do, I did see on the website that, there's a minimum investment of about a thousand dollars, I believe to get, mm -hmm. to get started. How did you guys come up with that? Um, you know, like what's stopping you from taking, uh, you know, customers that want to just invest a couple hundred dollars. So the main thing is that right now we're selling wine by the case and we're actually giving each person individual portfolios and individual ownership. So this means that we're different from a lot of the other platforms where they will sell fractionalized shares of an asset, you know, for example, on rally, you can buy, a, you know, a third of a car, for example. Um, Vino Best, you're fully owning that wine. You fully actually can even get it shipped to you and drink it. And we wanted to keep that utility part of the asset class, right? Because I think from, a, um, from an understanding side, people could be like, hey, um, you could sell this not only within the Vino Best ecosystem, you can sell it to the hundreds of millions of people that want to actually consume this rare wine. And that helps us greatly with liquidity. Um, and we found that in terms of investable wines, there's not too many that are really drastically below $1,000. So we chose that as the minimum entry point for now. Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I know I mentioned Rally and, and Collectible as well. Um, no, sorry, ha Happy. This is that, That's a different company. I don't, this isn't public, at least not yet. Um, but... Uh, Anthony, so are there any other alternative assets that you're currently, I mean, I assume you're, you're somewhat invested in crypto still, but are there any other alternative assets you're looking at besides wine? So I would say adjacent to wine, another one that we are going to be launching soon is uh, whiskey. So just like wine, 
collectible and rare whiskey has shot up in price pretty tremendously over the past decade, decade and a half. It's also outperformed the S&P. And uh, there's a lot of people that love it, right? Whether it be uh, rare bourbon, Japanese whiskey, or scotch, um, that sort of scarcity play where each bottle of whiskey consumed just makes that remaining supply that much more valuable and that much more sought after. Um, those are kind of the assets that we want to bring um, bring to our consumers and give them the option to invest in. Got it. Well, yeah, I mean, Anthony, this is fascinating. I'm sure a lot of our retail investors and our audience are going to head over to this site and uh, check this out, see if it's something that they can fit into their portfolio. Last question I got to ask, have you popped any of these bottles, any of this super nice wine? Oh, my God. So I, I would because I'm a huge wine lover. And that's, I think, another reason why I invest most of my investable wine with VinoVest because right now it's in a vault in Europe. I can't touch it. I can't see it. And um, it's out of my temptation. So thankfully, I keep my investment wines and my drinking wines separate. Got it. Uh, last question. Joe Rogan in the chat is asking, what percentage of the portfolio do you recommend? I would say to start just one to five percent. It's something that um, if you're sitting on cash or you're in bonds um, can be a higher earning alternative with a very low risk profile. And, um, but it really depends on what else you have in your portfolio too. Oh yeah. Anthony, you're a smart guy. I appreciate you being honest too. You know, I'm sure it'd be very easy in your shoes to say hundred percent, move your whole portfolio over to be no best. <laughs> yeah. I would say you're responsible, right? Like the, the key to wealth preservation is having a diversified portfolio and this could be a, a solid addition to that. Beautiful. All right, Anthony, well, we appreciate you have, or having you on the Power Hour today. Hopefully, we'll get you back on soon. Maybe when you guys launch the uh, the whiskey side of, of things, we'll get right. you back on for some more updates. Sounds like a plan. We'll do this later in the day, maybe, so we could have a drink, too. Yeah, that'd be perfect. And you're out in California, huh? Yeah, I'm in LA. Okay, nice. Yeah, we're, we're in Eastern time zone, so it's already you know 1230 here, but only 930 in the morning for you. Yeah, it would be quite aggressive if I were slamming a shot of whiskey right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe on a Friday or something. Yes. Yes. That sounds like a plan. All right, Anthony. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy Thursday to join us today on The Power. Like I said, we'll get you on again soon. Of course. Take care. You as well. All right, y'all. That was Anthony, co-founder of VinoVest. Link should be in the description if you guys are interested in going checking that out, throwing some of your portfolio into some wine. I'm all about it. I love the alternative investing right now. I have some money right now in Masterworks into some fine art, um, but I'm definitely looking to continue diversifying my portfolio into some different alternative assets. Um, all right, y'all. Well, let's keep the train rolling. I mentioned we have a packed show today. Um, so coming up right now, we have Agriforce, uh, ticker AGRI. I'm looking at the stock right now, trading up about 3.5% today. Um, we will have the, the company's CEO, Ingo Mueller, join us right now if I get the signal from him that he's ready. Ingo, how's it going? I'm great. How are you? All right, Ingo. So, so for some of our audience that may not know what AgriForce is, can you give us just a quick rundown on what the company, did, what the company is, kind of what AgriForce's mission is? Sure. So we're in what we call an innovative ag tech company, and we're focused really on developing and acquiring IP that advances uh, sustainable cultivation and processing for crops across multiple uh, verticals. Ultimately, we want to be a world leader in plant-based foods and products through advanced ag tech solutions.
Got it. Um, and, and, you know, I think that it's, re it's really interesting because, you know, people, I think in the investing world kind of overlook the whole agricultural, um, you know, industry as a whole. Do you expect that to start changing here? I really do. I mean, we've seen uh, the narrative uh, change uh, dramatically recently because I think, you know, people understand climate change is, you know, impacting us all in, in different ways. Um, you know, scarcity of water, scarcity of arable land. I mean, a lot of people don't know that up to 90% of the world's fresh water is used for agriculture field or traditional agriculture. So, you know, I, uh, generally consumers now are understanding that there's an impact to growing uh, food. And, you know, a lot of consumers are demanding alternatives, smarter, more sustainable solutions to deliver food to urban environments. And, and that's causing a huge investment in the space, um, especially in North America, where actually we've been really behind the curve. Europe uh, started conventional, we'll call it ag tech, about 100 years ago with greenhouse development. And we've seen just a huge amount of money start to flow in the industry. But nonetheless, despite that, there aren't many public companies that are actually out there in this space. So we're uh, we consider ourselves one of the leaders in the space and uh, are really excited about the prospects for the industry as a whole. Yeah, and I mean, this is something that I kind of, I learned about, I guess, later than I guess some people that about how much real technology is going into agriculture in general. I went to school at University of Missouri, which is in mid-Missouri, and uh, the school has a strong ag program. And I would talk to some of my friends in it. And I was I always like in my head was like, oh, they're just studying, you know, farming and stuff. But then you talk to them and like the stuff they're doing is really, really cool. It is. I mean, there's amazing technology being brought to both conventional farming and what we call say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Uh, con uh, controlled environment agriculture, which is really the, the space we play in. Um, and it's from the simple things of seed genetics to controlling climate, uh, air movement, all focused really around more sustainable outcomes and, and being able to produce year round and delivering fresh food to consumers. I mean, the problem today with, with traditional agriculture is that most of it is centered in California. Um, so you're traveling, the food is traveling huge distances to get to consumers. Not only is that not sustainable, consumers are having to put up with food that isn't fresh and doesn't taste as good. So there's a real sort of initiative now to bring food closer to consumers and really manage the process more effectively. So we're using less water, we're using less energy. Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done, but uh, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of dollars being thrown at the various elements to try to, to get to that more sustainable, better tasting outcome, which, which we feel very confident our IP and IP that we're looking to acquire is going to start to deliver. Got it. And then, uh, Ingo, I, I do know that we had some news come out today regarding some, uh, some IP and in Barbados. Can you go, go ahead and give us the lowdown on that news? 
Yeah, well, one of our directors is uh, his family um, is extremely successful. Uh, they're Barbadian um, and uh, have been engaged in a multitude of different um, commercial interests in Barbados. And, and, you know, interestingly, not a market you would normally think of, but you've got the whole Caricom uh, area, sort of the Caribbean um, islands that represent, you know, a reasonably significant population base. Um, and, uh, and they are met with a number of challenges. Obviously, climate, a lot of people wouldn't think it's an issue, but you do have hurricanes, um, which, you know, uh, limit what you can do. Uh, but most importantly, they have very poor soil quality. So they um, import the vast majority of their food. So, you know, for us here in North America, we expect a head of lettuce to cost maybe a couple of dollars. There it's $10, uh, boxes or small package of strawberries, $10, a head of broccoli, $10. So they need to find ways to deliver food more cost effectively and be able to deliver it year round instead of relying on imports. So our technology, um, because it can really grow things in virtually any environment and it's scalable, represents an intellectual property or IP as we call it, that um, would be considered very valuable to, to locations like Barbados. So there's an opportunity to deliver that IP and scale it across uh, a number of categories uh, from sort of plant-based medicines to foods. And, and so we're focused on working with, uh, with the company there to do just that. Got it. I mean, uh, I, I hope, you got a chance to travel to Barbados. I'm sure it's a beautiful, you know, part of the world to, to you know, when this deal is in the works. It sure is. Um, although I hate to say uh, it was work, uh, no play. So uh, hopefully I'll get to play there uh, at some point. But right now we're we're focused on delivering one or more facilities there and, and really demonstrating the efficacy of our IP. Well, I'm sure the investors appreciate that, knowing that you're you're there strictly for work, no fun. Um, but, <laughs> but all right, Ingo, anything else you think that, uh, you know, our investors should know about AgriForce, maybe something that you think investors have to look forward to maybe by the end of this year or into 2022? Well, like I said, we're, we're really focused on our own, uh, organic development of our IP and, and delivering, you know, more contracts. Um, and we're also, as I said, focused on acquiring IP and, and we think the combination of those two elements really presents a unique opportunity for investors. It's a, it's a massive addressable market. Uh, we consider it to be about a trillion dollar addressable global market. There's lots of uh, room for growth. There's uh, a need as, as we talked about. And so, um, you know, companies playing in this space, we think have a very bright future. And in our instance, focusing on IP, something that makes us truly unique and differentiable from from the pack, so to speak, um, makes us feel that uh, we have tremendous opportunities in front of us that can deliver value uh, to shareholders. Got it. Um, all right, Ingo, we'll appreciate you joining us on the Power Hour today. We hope to have you on again soon. Anytime, you know, AgriForce has any news, you want to hop on and talk about it, we'd love to have you. That's great. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to join us. Thank you. All right, y'all, that was Ingo Mueller, CEO AgriForce, ticker A-G-R-I, that trades on the NASDAQ. Um, I can get the chart pulled up here, but 
it's up three and a half percent today. Looking kind of good. I might have to add this to my watch list. Um, let's see. I got my boy Money Mitch hanging out in the studio. Go ahead, gonna go ahead and bring him on. Let's go. What's going on? How we doing, AB? It's good to have you. Hey, Money. I've been wanting to come on Power Hour for a while, man. Now I get invited. I'm excited. Let's do this. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. Um, yeah, I've had a crazy day. Stuck at home today, unfortunately, not in the office. And uh, I might have to open up a new short position, Mitch. Let me tell you why. What? You're going short? Evil me, short, AB? What's happening me, out there? Let me tell you why. Today is the second day, or the second, not day in a row, but second, for the second week in a row, I've had a day with a planned delivery from Sleep Number for my mattress, and oh, for the second good. time in a row, they canceled on me. So I take off, I don't take off work, but I, I don't go into the office this morning because the bed is supposed to get delivered from nine to noon. I even get a call last night that they say they're confirming the, the delivery from 9 a.m. to noon. I call them this morning and beforehand because I say, hey, last week it never got delivered when y'all said it was going to do- get delivered. And they said, oh, rest assured, you're you know first up on the list of deliveries. It should be there by 9.15. 9.15 passes. I, I don't think anything of it, Mitch. I'm like, okay, it could just be a couple minutes late. 9.30 passes. 10 o'clock, 10.30, I'm starting to get a little worried. And then I call them up and, you know, they give me the, the rundown. I get transferred to different people. I've spent like three hours on hold with sleep number today, <laughs> all for my bed not to get delivered. Well, I, I can tell you at least that that can be a sign of, yeah, it's bearish for you, AB, but maybe bullish for the company because maybe they just have too many orders and they just can't get it out, man. It's too many people who got deliveries today. So, AB... I'm sorry you got the short end of the stick, but it looks like sleep number is is, is selling some beds, man. Uh, I like the 90 today, um, you know, getting above that $90 and then getting this kind of U-turn look to it at the bottom. Maybe you're calling the bottom right here, AB, while you're trying to short it. So um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I actually, like, I looked at it, and it's very low volatility, so not great for – uh, trading options, which I would short it by buying puts, not necessarily just short selling the stock outright. So probably not a good, you know, opportunity for me to buy some puts on. But yeah, Mitch, let's add this to our watch list. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's frustrating, but it is what it is. I'll tell you what. Uh, l- l- let me tell you about a trade that I made today. I'm still holding it. Uh, Blade Mo- Air Mobility. Uh, this is BLDE. Got in at 994. It's trading up there towards 1016. I'm wondering if this is going to be the next SPAC runner because we've had some massive runs in the SPAC game recently. Um, I don't know if you saw yesterday EFTR. That also was moving today. And then OPAD with a monster breakout. Um, we'll see if this can kind of continue the momentum. But we've been looking for some trade ideas. So, uh, I mean, SPAC game has been kind of relatively quiet recently but now we're really starting to see kind of these pushes after redemptions opad really pushing on up there today had a halt we'll see if it continues to move but this is a new pattern ab to maybe pay attention to beautiful yeah i mean i i that's a great call i see someone else in the chat talking about blde opad looking super strong uh you gotta let me know mitch ahead of time when the next time one of these spacs is gonna run because you would know better than me and i need to get in on the ground floor when you do I'll tell you what, the, the, the guy to ask is right next to me. His name's Chris Opedia. <laughs> Chris Opedia? I got to congratulate Chris Opedia. Do you know what I have to congratulate him on? What do you want to congratulate him on? He might, yep, he knows. That's a big deal, man. 
You got me jealous over here. Hey, that's what it's all about, man. That blue check mark. Oh, my man got verified. Got verified. Hey, that's definitely important. One of the things that I'll definitely say, if you guys don't follow Chris Ketchy already, definitely do it at Chris Ketchy. Uh, he's not only covers SPACs, he covers a lot of the high trending stocks here at Benzinga. So if you guys haven't found him, Check him out. I, looks like you got verified. I'm even jealous about that, AB. We got to get on that game. Got to get on our journalist game. But let, I, know, let, I know we do. Uh, it looks like we are going to be getting into another interview here. Yep. Yes, sir. You got a, You got a big interview coming up. All right. We'll definitely get towards that. Is there any other trade idea you want to talk about before we get towards it? Nope. Just short sleep number. Short sleep number. All right. As you guys can see, AB his his back is starting to hurt, and you know sleeping I, on the floor, man. <laughs> yeah, the blanket on the floor isn't working anymore. I, I no, be it, it, it was so it's so sad too because like last night I was like this is my last night doing this. I'm going to be in a nice bed tomorrow, and then of course here we are. But it is what it is. I'm not gonna you know complain more than i already have all right mitch i'll let you get to the interview all right let's go ahead let's bring on here so one of the things that we always want to do is kind of go towards new companies and perspectives that we can get so let's go ahead and bring on our guest looks like we got uh one of them there is the other we we got him on let's go ahead and bring him on ab uh, are you going to join me, AB? Are you, you going to hide in the back there? Don't worry. I'll take care of it. I'll take lead here. Um, I'm actually from Miami, so that's that's why I definitely jumped in here, took a little bit of a lead here. Let's go ahead and get into a time where we go ahead and talk about uh, an, unlocking some kind of new environment here. Let's go ahead. Let me get my... There it is. All right, let's go ahead. Let's talk about this. So one thing is, uh, first things first, can you guys let us know a little bit more about yourself, Akios and Shantiva? Did I say that right? Yes. I love that name. That's definitely uh, where you're from, Shantiva. If, if you don't mind me asking, first of all, I, I haven't seen that name before. So it's definitely yes. um, So the name is actually just made up, but it's French from Shantae. I like that. That you could definitely f feel a little bit of a French vibe to that. So let's go. <laughs> let's learn a little bit more about you, Akos. Let us know where are you from and why should we know a little bit more about you. Nice to meet you guys. Very excited to be here. So I was born and raised in Budapest, Hungary, where I'm currently doing my show. Otherwise, we are living in sunny Miami, and we are going back next Wednesday. We can't be, wait to be back in the tech city. And I'm giving the words to Shantina. Yeah, so a little bit about myself. I was born and raised in Germany. That's where I am right now. But my family is from Ivory Coast and Ghana, which is in West Africa. And I'm currently doing my graduate program in Miami in organizational psychology. And that's also what I'm focusing on at most case, like trying to find the intersection between technological devices and employee but also just consumer well-being well i think that's perfect right for what you're studying and the company that you guys are a part of here so most case is really the company here and it's focusing on a whole body solution to support the health and well-being of people how do you guys are going to accomplish this and what should we know more about the company so we are a 
software company with a hardware which enables us to read different vital signs. Imagine a smartphone case which has sensors built in, and those sensors are helping us to understand our emotional and physical well-being, such as stress factor, HRE, body fat index, and lastly, body temperature, which we basically worked out for female users, more about fertility and following up the ovulation. And Shanti can talk more about how we worked out the software and how are we specialized on the holistic approach. So I guess what we're doing differently is how Akos just said, we are trying to approach wellness holistically. So we believe that um, health is not only physical or only emotional, it's all interconnected. So this is why we were thinking to give consumers the data, but also the programs and plans so that they can keep track of their wellness in the longer term. So we have different programs. We have a subscription model so that they can get more personalized services. And we are heavily focusing on stress and mood management. So everything that we are going to do is going to be based on that to increase and um, to decrease stress levels, of course, and make um, consumers just having more balance in their life. I think this is awesome. You know, one of the things is that we definitely have been moving more and more to trying to really control our health, right? Whether that be mental or physical. I love how this brings all that into one place, right? A lot of times you can maybe find something to help your mental health. Maybe you can find, you know, a, a physical app to help your, you know, work out. But a lot of times you can't find this all in one app. So I love the approach here. Um, so uh, we, we can see how this would really uh, start working towards in a together program. Or is this more of kind of an algorithm trying to, decipher what is the best move or is this more along education for the consumer? I love your question. It's, it's really fantastic. Where we are focusing is to show customers how to change their life in microprocesses. So we don't want to be the next variable device which is telling you make another 10,000 steps or, or change your fitness programs. We are more focusing on how to change small to achieve bigger without getting annoyed. And we are not a next variable devices. We are a simple smartphone case, which is protecting your expensive phones and in the same times delivering data into our software application, which is connected to the Apple Health Kit, as well as we are showing our own programs and the data to the clients by ourselves. So, our approach is quite unique and we can say we are pioneering a new market segment. It's something which never happened and you, it wasn't available in the shops so far. And the price point will be quite attractive. We wanna be under hundred bucks. So compared to other variable devices or other accessories like that, we're gonna be really accessible for everyone. All right, excellent. So my next question would be, so why did the company move from Europe to Miami? I mean, I'm from Miami. I know the great weather. I can't, can't say enough about that. But I know that might have been some of the factor, but let's, let's hear a little bit more about it. You want to answer, Shanti? No, you go ahead. So we were a little bit before the Miami Tech hype, which is going on since Mayor Francis Suarez says, 
uh, How Can I Help? That was the great campaign, which we appreciate a lot. We are in Miami since 2017. So we were early adopters to develop a tech company in Miami. And the reason why we went there, it was simple, impossible to manage a company and build up relationship and strategic partnership with Apple, with Equinox, with Best Buy from Europe. So we had to relocate ourselves and our management team to Miami, which is a wonderful place to live. And it's not all not on the weather only. The whole place, the positive emotion, the vibe, the culture, the, the different languages, people of color. So it's just a fantastic place to live, even though we love Europe and we will never get rid of our European background. And I need to mention that we have European staff and we have engineers here too, whom are really great guys. And we can't wait to let them come to North America as well. Excellent. I got to say, uh, I might have to come visit you guys. I, I love to come <laughs> to Miami. It's, it's where I grew up. So I, I, I have to, I turned in the beaches for the mountains. I, I normally reside in Denver, but hey, you can't go wrong with Miami. And Miami is definitely growing in the tech game. I would definitely agree with that. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. New companies or companies that are already there taking the next level up. So the next question I have is, of course, Apple licensed the product. Can you tell us a little bit more about Apple license? And I mean, how, how fun was it to work with Apple? It's it's great fun. It's great fun. It's time consuming and we had to change a lot. Apple requires us to protect the phone. So the drop test, drop test is super important. But on the other hand, as we are using Apple technology to connect and to authenticate the device to the Apple smartphones, we had to go through in a three stages approval process. First, hardware, so protection. Second, software. And third, how are we going to collect and keep the data for the future clients? Because we need to keep the strictest HIPAA standards and in Europe, the GPDR standards. And we are very proud to have all those Apple licenses prepared as well as we are fully patented. So we have a granted patent, which is a, a great achievement because it's such a niche product range. You know, there are big players Apple, Samsung, other ones, and we have our own patent already granted. Excellent. Now, the next question, I want to kind of team up with a question here. We love getting questions from the chat here. So one of the questions was, aren't these programs already available and what makes yours different? So my question is more, what is the company's vision in a product like Moss Case in a crowded, you know, well-funded space here uh, like wearables that are really starting to really uh, gain grasp of the consumer how are you guys different? I think, again, like our holistic approach, because you have um, apps like Calm or Headspace, but they don't have the data behind it. So it just goes so far as like recommendations. But when we have the data, we can actually see the differences. We can see if our programs are effective. We can make changes to their uh, plans and uh, programs. So we think we are different in the sense of we are not invasive. We don't want to be a smartwatch that people have to put on. Like everyone has a phone case. So we think this is something that this is for the people that want to make lifestyle changes, but they don't, they are not fanatics. They're not really crazy about, you know, having all these devices on their body. It's just about making wellness fun like it's going to be about creating a community we're going to have like a 
um, blog format where people can share their um, results. They can, you know, share it to families that do not have most case. Maybe they will jump on the bandwagon. So it's about um, just creating a community, making wellness accessible to people that maybe didn't really think that it was it was something for them. All right. So the next question I have, and, and I'll take a, a little fun one first, is that, I mean, you guys are out of Miami and this is going to be able to do alcohol breathalyzer a little, uh, analysis. I did see that. That might yeah. be itself. Uh, yeah, we have, really sold yeah. Miami. we have a product plan also has been approved, which has an alcohol sensor built into a case. And that model is worked out mostly for drivers. We had some ideas to work together with Lyft or Uber. Just imagine before they take a ride, they check their alcohol consumption. So it's just safer to the users. But this is our next stage. This is probably 2022. And uh, we are also like a platform. So whenever new sensors are available on the market, and we are really, really focusing to find whatever is coming out, we're going to implement those technologies into our existing platform. So we are not a one-shot company. We are having a long-term plan, and we're going to be the next unicorn in the software hardware space, helping people to prevent to see their doctors, even though we can share the data to the doctors later on after we have the FDA approvals in our hands. I, I sure will be looking out for that. And now I would like to add Shantiva here. It, how did, can you, you talked a little bit earlier about this, about the stress factors and how it kind of relates here. How, how is the correlation here between, let's say, heart rate and body fat index? How does that affect our stress levels? How does this work? So right now we are working on an algorithm between stress levels, which is actually galvanic skin responses and heart rate variability, because there is some um, correlation between those two factors. So people see that if your heart rate variability is high, your stress level is most likely to go high too. So that's why we are focusing on stress and mood management. We want to understand consumers, like, of course they, they are going to have to put input like, um, I just had a call with my boss. So then we can see, okay, this is causing stress in your daily life. So maybe you should do this yoga plan after <laughs> talking to your boss. So it's like more about lifestyle and making subtle recommendations. So we're gonna have to, um, of course, perfect our numbers and algorithm as we go. Uh, of course, I think it's something to definitely keep in mind. I mean, even for traders, right? I mean, for traders, we're talking about to traders right now. And one of the things that I used to do, even when I used to day trade, it's kind of crazy, but I actually had a heart monitor watch to kind of monitor my watch um, to, to let me know certain times, hey, if my heart rate was too high, I wasn't allowed to trade. Why? Because the heart rate goes to the stress which goes into the emotional being. And then I don't make the decision making that I want to be up to par. So I'm definitely going to be looking at this product uh, over the years. Is there anything else that we should know coming into kind of the growth of the company? Yes. I would love to add that we start piloting by the end of the year and we are working on strategic partnership with uh, fitness centers and health professionals. We want to collect the data and we want to make sure everything is perfect. And then we start taking pre-orders early 2022 and mass production shipping optimally 
March 2022, and will be available in every major retailers and in Apple stores, hopefully as well. All right. Well, there you guys have it. You guys are hearing about a relatively new where we're looking forward to it. And when you guys do go public, we definitely will probably bring you guys back. But it's going to be an interesting product. Without a doubt, I, I will, I'll be looking forward to it when it comes out. And if you guys want to send me a beta, let me know. I, I'm more than happy to help with it. And looking forward to hearing more about most cases. Thank you so much. We appreciate we appreciate your time. We're gonna send you the invitation for the launch party in Miami, That's as well as the as well as the beta. Okay? okay, I'll be dressed up and I'll be ready for the. Let's do it. Dressed up or dressed down to Miami? That's the question. You, you know what I'm talking about. All right, you guys have a great one. Enjoy it, and I'll see you guys in Miami. Thank you, sir. All right, guys, it looks like we got AB back. Looks like it's time to get a little weird, get technical coming on next. I I could hear the Spice Girls in my ear. I do not know why, AB. Why would that be? I hope so. If we get to enough likes, uh, I think 100 today on Get Technical, we'll get to hear some Spice Girls. But, yeah, Mitch, let's go over there, hang out with Neil. Um, all I can say is I hope I hope we get a plus one to that party in Miami because I'd love to go. Hey, you know my man AB likes to come down to Miami. We'll definitely do it right. I, I know some good spots in Miami. Let's just say I know where they should throw the party. Live Miami. If you guys don't know where that's at, just look it up, and you guys will tell me the same. All right, AB, I'll let you get on out of here. Go start up. Get technical. And I'll be wrapping up here. I'm going to take a quick look at the overall market here, see what we're seeing out there. And, and we'll definitely take a look here. The SPY is actually kind of just trading sideways right now. Um, let me go ahead and share my screen. Take a look at the SPY. I know you're about to get deep technicals from Neil himself. Uh, but look look at this, guys. SPY just trading sideways here. Let's see what we get in the SPY. Do we start turning red? You know, we opened at 450.70. Right now we're at 450.75. I wonder if we're going to go into the red today. But it's been an interesting day in the market. We had some runners early. Now we're just getting this kind of sideways action. ECB news was major early on in the day. We'll see how this affects at the end of the day. But we did get some big movers. Let me go ahead and take a look here at my blade trade. I'm still in it, so I'm kind of trying to keep an eye on it here. Um, where are we at in blade? Looks like we're at 10.15. Maybe run towards 10.50. I'll see if we can get another run up on this name. Um, I'm in it at 9.95 here. We'll see if we can get that next run. You know, if we can see this trend line, and I know you're, you're going to see it on Get Technical, and maybe I'll ask him to, to go over this stock, but we'll see if we can get a run here on this pattern. This is exactly a bull a bull pennant flag here. Um, we'll see if we can get a push through the 10.20s and through the 10.30s. That's going to be it for me, and this is Blade. Like always, guys, hit that like. Let us know. Hit the subscribe below if you're a new viewer and you haven't done before. If you hit the bell, you'll be notified the moment we go live. And like always, guys, check out our weekend boot camp. If you guys want to get better trading and want to work on it, you got to go ahead and go to the experts to have learned their process. This weekend, Saturday, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, going to 5, we have the boot camp. And one lucky winner will even win a thousand dollars worth of doge so hey we'll see who's the lucky zinger but we'll see you guys on get technical and see you guys next time bada bing bada boom yeah.